This is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Welcome to another great edition of the show on this Tuesday, December 6th. We are done with the round of 16, and what a day it was here on at the World Cup. On this show, we are going to break it all down for you, and we move on to the quarterfinals. The matchups are set. Oh, man, what a day. What a tournament it's been so far. I've just been so pumped by this tournament. And I know there's plenty of issues both on and off the pitch that have been certainly distracting, and rightfully so, for the last 12 years, frankly. And those are very legitimate. But if you're focusing on the football itself, now it's getting to the nitty-gritty time, right? Now we're getting down and dirty here, making it to the quarterfinals here. And this is really where it... It, it, whatever cliche you want to use, and uh, that that's where we're at. And it's getting more fun every game. And, you know, just the, the way that the tension. Look at the games that happened today. Just two very, very, obviously very different matchups. Morocco and Spain, what a game. We could break this all down. And then Portugal, Switzerland, just totally different results. And it just makes it so much more fun. And what a game that first one was. Let's start there. This is certainly the upset of the round, no doubt about it. Maybe the upset of the tournament, despite everybody pointing to Saudi Arabia, Argentina. That's the first game of the tournament. This is the round of 16. I don't happen to think this was that big of an upset if you listened to the show yesterday, right? First of all, you should be listening every day. And if you miss anything, podcast the show wherever you do your pod or your pods or go to ESPNLA's app and get it there if you miss anything. But remember what I said, it was going to be tough for Spain if they didn't take advantage of their one or two chances that they may scratch out against a great, not good, a great Moroccan defense. And look what happened. Morocco got more shots on goal than Spain. You know how many Morocco got on goal the whole game? Two. You know how many Spain got? One. All that possession Spain had, nearly, what, 80% almost, not quite. Well, no, not quite 75, somewhere in that ballpark. I think it was 73% the last I checked. I could be wrong on that, but well over 70% for Spain. What did it lead to? One shot on goal. You know why? Morocco can defend. They got the best defense in the tournament. And in knockout stages, if you don't take advantage of your clear-cut chance, and you're not going to probably get that many, you you're going to pay. And then Morocco goes into the penalties, and their keeper saves three penalties. This guy's from Sevilla, by the way, the keeper. He is good. Morocco's loaded. They're loaded with good talent. I mean, this team is legit. No question about it. Bono and goal is just, Bono and goal, rather, is just really good. Nassim Bono, he can play. You got Sass in, in defense, Aguirre, but then a couple of injuries creeping up with them, so that might affect their you know, quarterfinal match, which we'll take a look at. They'll be playing Portugal. We'll, we'll go into that later in this week in this show, too. But you've got talent on this team, and they played well. Look, they're stout defensively. People will say, well, they parked the butt. No, you don't park. That's what Spain does. Spain does that to everybody. They grab the ball, and they don't let you have it. Oh, wow, 77% possession for Spain as I look. Whoa. But they were outshot, shots on goal, two to one. That's it. They had 13 shots, one shot on goal for Spain. They could not break down that defense, and Bono was there if they did in defense, in goal. And then he makes three huge saves in the PKs, and it was over. Morocco deserved to move on. They're that good. 
And what a game that's going to be against Portugal. They just laid the wood to Switzerland. Holy cow. 6-1 the final. It was 2-0 before I blinked. And that was a difference too. Look, I love the way Switzerland went at it, if I'm being honest. Not because they got torn apart, but they didn't quit. Even when it was 2-0, Pepe gets the goal in the 33rd minute after Gonzalo Ramos, who ends up with a hat trick, scored in the 17th minute. But I love the way that Switzerland just didn't try to sit back for a 1-0. Look, it didn't work. And Switzerland is nowhere near this bad, let's face it. This was just a an absolute romping, but it was just Portugal. Again, being the word that has been the word of the tournament for me. Clinical. You get chances, you get half chances, boom, back of the net. And Portugal just kept scoring. Even Cristiano Ronaldo came in late, got a goal, but it was offside. But here's the thing. Did you hear my last sentence? Cristiano Ronaldo did not start in this match. Gonzalo Ramos was the move that Fernando Santos made as the manager, right? He takes out Ronaldo from the starting eleven. This could have backfired. Not because people didn't agree with the move. I think a lot of people did. A lot of Portuguese fans did. It was probably time for Cristiano Ronaldo to not start. But if it doesn't work, right, you're still going to take a mountain of criticism. Whether people agreed with it or not, they're going to criticize you for it if it doesn't work. That's how the world works, right? You could have 90% of the people backing your decision if you're Fernando Santos and saying, yes, he should be out of the lineup. And yet if it doesn't work, those same 90% will turn on you and say, aha. <laughs> so he's all under pressure. That's It's it's really difficult to win in that situation, except for they did 6-1 and Gonzalo Ramos, Ramos with a three-goal game and an assist. So it worked. But here's the thing. Even if it hadn't worked, even if Portugal flamed out with Ramos up front today and Switzerland might have been the better team on the day and they win, it was still the right move. Cristiano Ronaldo now can come in as a substitute for this team. And what if you go to extra time? How would you like to have a fresh-legged Cristiano Ronaldo running past defenders in the 117th minute, maybe? That could work out. The guy can still get it done. He's not washed. This dude is still top level. It's just it's not working as a starter on this team. They don't need him as that in that role. But man, Portugal just absolutely showing off some depth in this tournament with this 6-1 thrashing of Switzerland. And again, it's how the game flowed. Switzerland's certainly not five goals worse than Portugal 99.9% of the time. Just happened today. That's the way it goes. It's a knockout game. But I was impressed, duly impressed by Portugal. Don't for a minute, though, think they're not going to have their hands full against Morocco. That is going to be a game in those quarterfinals. It really is. I'm looking forward to that one as much as any game. And it's kind of cool that it's the last one. Or, the, well, you know, deeper into the quarterfinals, I should say. So then, then it's kind of cool. So now we got to wait a few days, certainly. A couple of days off after this. But, man, so much to look forward to in these quarterfinals. It has really been a fun tournament. And every now and again, it's fun to see a nil-nil that's got all that tension People will argue with that, but I, I don't. I don't agree. That was a good game between Spain and Morocco. And then, but every now and then, it's nice to have the six-one thrashing or the three ones or the, you know, good games, good goals. We've seen it all.
But man, how can you argue with Morocco's defense? I said it earlier. Four games now. You know how many goals they've allowed? One absolute maddening own goal that was crazy against Canada. It took such a deflection. It was one of the most wild own goals you'll ever see in the run of play. That's it. Three games Morocco played. You know who they played in these three games I'm talking about? Belgium, Croatia, Spain. They did not allow a goal. How do you not say they don't belong in the in the final eight? They're one of the best defenses I've ever seen in this tournament. Belgium, Croatia, Spain. Let's see, 120 plus, 300 minutes of football against those teams. Probably more with so much stoppage time, let's be honest. 300 minutes of on-the-pitch football against Belgium, Croatia, and Spain. And Morocco gave up goose eggs. Zero goals in those. And the only goal they gave up the whole tournament was a game against Canada, who had nothing to lose in Canada. They were flying forward, and they got a cheap own goal. That's how good Morocco's defense is. Now, can they stop Portugal? That might be a whole other animal there. Portugal is looking good. And remember, Portugal only stubbed their toe when they rotated out a whole, virtually the whole team in their final game because they didn't need it. They've looked very good in this tournament. So I'm just absolutely blown away by the two teams today and how they played, but also what we might see in that quarterfinal. A trip to the semis. Morocco or Portugal, one of them is in the semifinals. That is pretty awesome. One of them already is in the semifinal. That is amazing. And they'll take on the winner of that England-France game. Both of those are going to be played on the 10th. And as you know, the 9th, the Friday games are right now. Netherlands-Argentina in the later game. And Croatia-Brazil. Oh, gosh. Some good team. Look, these are the teams right now. Right? We can talk about all the other teams that got knocked out in the round of 16 U.S., nice tournament. Certainly, uh, Switzerland's a tough team to beat. Uh, some good, you know, Japan played well in this tournament. These are the teams right now. These are heavy hitters going into this quarterfinal. <laughs> it's amazing, but it is true. Uh, stick around. We'll talk with Mark Rogandino coming up next. Of course, part of the LAFC broadcast with us and the television side, and he's the voice of Angel City FC. We'll get Mark's thoughts on the tournament and what's been going down in this World Cup. He's coming up next. We'll still talk about more of the uh, Winter World Cup. And what would my dream final be? What would my dream final be? What would your dream final be of the World Cup? You can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, and let me know. What is your dream final now that we know the final eight, which makes a difference? And I'll be talking more about that and stoppage time still to come. This is Road to the Cup. Dave Denholm and you on ESPN LA. It's Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Thank you for joining us every Monday through Friday here on ESPN LA. Big day wrapping up the round of 16. We talked a little bit about those in the first segment. We'll get to more of that. We want to talk about the whole World Cup and what happened throughout this tournament with the great Mark Rogandino, my buddy, pre- and post-game host of LAFC on the broadcast and Angel City FC voice. Mark, thanks for taking the time. Let's dive right in. So far, how are you enjoying this? How are you experiencing this World Cup, buddy? i tell you what. First of all, it's great to be back with you and uh, Mario and the rest of the crew on ESPN LA. I would say, Dave, it's a great time to not only be a soccer fan, but a sports fan right now, right? I mean, I, I was a little bit op- or, or hesitant when I thought about, wow, really, we're not going to have the summer months of World Cup, you know, fanfare and watching games and all that. 
But the way that it's worked out with the timing, it was a little early a couple times in those uh, in those early mornings. You know, we both got young kids to get up for some of those early start times, but uh, that's what DVR is for. And man, now that we're into the knockouts, it has just been it's just been phenomenal. Yeah, it really has. I agree. It's just been a it's been a great tournament. Uh, certainly highlighted by the games today, different types of games. But Mark, we wanted to get your expertise as a former goalkeeper. Holy cow, I didn't think we'd see anybody make three saves in a World Cup shootout. Two straight days we've had that, including Morocco today. How in the world are these keepers doing it? Channeling their inner John McCarthy. That's what seems to be the way that they're doing it. You know what? It's been awesome. Well, first of all, right, we went went so long without seeing any penalties really at all. I mean, there's been a few penalty kicks throughout the group stages, but obviously when you get into the knockout rounds and then, you know, we've had the last couple of days, these matches that have ended over 120 minutes and ending in a draw to go to PKs. um, You know, I think that, I think that actually to to take a page from what John McCarthy did, you know, having the discipline to stay on the line and not get VAR to pick you off for leaving too early, I think that a lot of these goalkeepers have really come to understand that that is how you have to do it. And I like, for example, today, um, I noticed in the in the Spain keeper immediately, right? The difference between the Spain keeper and the Morocco keeper was the Spain keeper was just guessing. He was he was not taking cues from the shooters. He was just you can you can see on the very first one when he went down to his right and the shooter just ba- kind of hit it soft uh, to his left. He was guessing as which way to go. Where I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, world class athletes, Dave. So they have the ability to make that. Split second, re- split second reactionary decision, and actually make a save like you train for it, as if you were trained for a guy hitting that's from the top of the eighteen in a training session. Yes, it's six yard closer from twelve yards out, but I think a lot of these guys are so good, and you see the ones that have success, including John McCarthy for LAFC in the MLS Cup final, is they are actually reacting to where the ball is going, and that's the ones that are making the saves. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We're talking with former goalkeeper Mark Rogandino, of course, is the pre- and post-game host of LAFC, and he's the voice of Angel City FC here in Los Angeles. Rogue, let me ask you about the U.S. Give a, give a, you know, take as much time as you need, in a sense, to really give us your thoughts on this whole tournament with the United States, and then where does this program go from here? Well, I think that there was... Um... There's there there is two ways to answer that. Um, and and by the way, um, I, I think I've I, I, we got to retire that goalkeeper moniker. You know, it's been it's been some years, Dave, since I actually made a save. So <laughs> I, I prefer Dad or Rogo or you know Buddy. <laughs> but talking about the U.S., um, you know, if you look at it from the standpoint that we weren't even in the tournament four years ago, right? So it's been eight years since we last were in a World Cup. I think from that standpoint, you're, you're, you're talking about success. And I, I saw some moments, especially in the group stage, where it, not just the goals, but the creation of goals and the way that we were playing and the ideas that we had in playing were were really, really good. And I was I was optimistic, and I liked what I was seeing. You know, I liked – I thought Weston McKinney had a great tournament. Um, uh, Musa, I thought he was really good in the midfield. I mean, we're talking about young guys – was I disappointed that we, we didn't see Gio Reyna earlier? Um, yeah, I was. I was. But I don't know the full status of what his health exactly was. Um, but it seemed to me like the way that he looked when he came in and gave us some minutes you know, in the second half against the Dutch, it seemed to me that he was just fine. So 
I don't, I don't know what that is and why he, he didn't get more minutes because he seemed to be a logical piece of the puzzle to plug in at earlier times. But going back to what I said about seeing the ideas and the rhythm and the, and the, the, the way that the team played, what I was disappointed in is, is when it disappeared against Holland. I was disappointed that there wasn't um, adjustments made to the tactics, knowing what Holland was doing, i.e. spreading out across their front and making the outside backs really not available at all. And so consequently forcing uh, Reem and Zimmerman to really play with their feet from the back as center backs. And uh, I think that part was exposed. You know, I mean, I, I love those guys and what they did and how hard they worked in this tournament. But, you, you know, uh, you, just, you, don't, you look no further than Virgil van Dyke. And yes, he's one of the best in the world. I'm not comparing Virgil van Dyke with Tim Ream or, or with, with Walker Zimmerman. But I'm just saying that's what we need to look to as a goal. We got to look to the ability for our center backs not only to be strong in the air and good defensively, but to feel comfortable being the starting point in the attack to move the ball into your sixes and move the ball into your into your attacking players further up the field. And I think that's probably the next step. So I was disappointed that we didn't make that adjustment in in the game against Holland and um you know that's 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 just but that's going to come with growth. So if I'm great if I'm grading overall four games in the World Cup, in Qatar, um, you know, it's a B. <laughs> That's exactly the grade I gave him yesterday. A solid B, no question about it. Uh, Mark, let me ask you this. I'll give you my opinion first and then see if, you, if you're of that school. I don't think any manager should really, at a World Cup level, should be bothering past four years. Like, right, one cycle to me is enough. And especially, I don't think we need to keep moving on with Greg Berhalter. I think he's kind of taking us as far as he can. He did a good job. Not upset with him, but what are your thoughts on that in general, and then specifically with Burhalter and this team? Yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree with you with that. Um, the, the thing is, is I think a lot of people, if, if you're on the other side of the coin, a lot of people would argue that he earned the right to keep going if he wants to because he got them out of the group stage and you know he, he got them into the knockout rounds. But but I would agree with you. I think that I think that that's kind of run its course. Um, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've heard a little rumblings. I'm sure you've heard it too. I wouldn't be surprised given the heat over there across the pond. If, uh, there's a call made to Jesse Marsh at some point in the next six to eight months. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I don't know who I would want to replace him yet. I know there's time certainly, but that's a name that has to be part of the equation. Uh, as we go forward, Mark, and, uh, taking a look at this, uh, rest of the tournament, what are some of the teams that you keep an eye on specifically? I know we, you know, we all suspect we know who are the favorites and that. Who have you liked? What are you seeing throughout the rest of this tournament going into the quarterfinals in your your eyes? Uh, obviously, I love the performance from Brazil, and I just think they're so deep. I know they're the odds-on favorite. So if I'm looking outside of the favorite in this one, um, you can't deny how on fire Mbappe has been and the way that he has looked just exciting. And, uh, and France as a whole in the attack, right, has looked really good for me. And I think that um, they've shown you a lot of ways that they can attack you, serving the ball in from wide positions, but also keeping the ball on the floor and, and, and touching short, quick passes and space and movement. I think I think that's been good. I think the match that I'm really hoping for and I'm looking forward to is I think we could be on a crash course for Argentina and Brazil in the semis. And that's almost like a World Cup final. You know, given given the fact of how much, uh, you know, those those two countries are two of the best ever in South America. And, uh, you know, I just I just think that's the story of, of 
you know, how many stars have come out from those countries. And if we got a chance to see Neymar leading his side and uh, Messi leading his side, I think for, for Argentina, that was a huge wake-up call when they came out and they lost that first game of group play and, and shocked. I think that was actually good for them. I had a lot of people asking me, like, uh-oh, what's going to happen to Argentina? And I said to them immediately, I'm like, don't worry. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. And I think that that's, that jump-started them to get things into gear because if you notice, they've played much better since that time. Um, and it's not all messy, right? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other great talents that are out there helping him, Di Maria. Um, but I just I – just, I, I look forward to if we get an opportunity to sit down and watch those teams battle each other, those countries battle each other, that will be must-watch TV for me. Love it. Mark Rogandino, pre- and post-game host of LAFC. He's the voice of Angel City FC and a good buddy of ours. We love you taking the time, Mark. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. Dave, if I can throw a shameless plug in there, Friday I got to what should be my final show of Chase for the Cup on Fox 11 in between uh, the two semifinal games. It'll be Friday right around 9 a.m. So if you're hanging out and you're looking for something to, to keep your attention in between games here in the L.A. area, go over to Fox 11 and uh, I'll hopefully be entertaining and insightful at the same time. Love it. Everybody do that. Appreciate that. Good stuff. He's uh, hosting that over at Fox 11. Mark, thanks again. We really appreciate it, buddy. You the man, Dave. Enjoy the tournament. See you soon. You got it. He's Mark Rogandino. We continue with my thoughts on a Winter World Cup and what I've thought of it. All that and so much more. It's Road to the Cup. Dave Denholm and you on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you. Don't forget, if you miss anything, if you want to go back listen to interviews, we just had Mark Rogandino on the show. If you miss an interview along the way, if you miss an episode... You can't hear it on ESPN LA. You can podcast it. Many of you are doing that, no doubt. Go to the ESPN LA app or go to wherever your pods are available. You know what? If you hate the show, you can give me a bad review. But, you know, if you get a chance, review it. That'd be fine, too. Appreciate the five stars. But, you know, I'm a big boy. I can take it. If you want to go do that, appreciate that. Winter World Cup was on everybody's mind, right? Coming in right essentially once they decided that it was going to be a Winter World Cup because of the weather. My initial instincts, I'm not going to lie, occasionally I have a sports talk radio kind of feel for things, and I overreact. <laughs> I know, go figure, right? I panic, I freak out, or I just have, want to have an opinion. Initially, I thought, oh, that's ridiculous. That's not going to work. It works. The Winter World Cup works. And that's why I think it's bigger than Qatar. I don't think it should have been in Qatar. I don't like that they're hosting. I don't think they should have won the uh, hosting rights for many reasons which we really haven't gotten too deep into, but I think most people have the same reasons. I don't like it in that sense, but I like the fact that it works. And what I mean by works, I don't even know how I'm not, not in Qatar, right? So I don't know if it's a bad experience. Or good. I'm talking about the scheduling or the calendar, if you will, of world football. It's working. Certainly don't have an excuse that players aren't fresh. Boy, did we hear that a lot when it was a summer tournament. Every summer tournament... Whenever a big team gets beat, you ever notice that? Whenever a big powerhouse gets beat in a summer tournament, immediately the announcers here, and I don't, it doesn't matter who they are, well, well, you know, it's a long, they've had a long season. As if everybody else hasn't had a long season. As if the team who just upset them hasn't had a long campaign either. So stupid. I always hear that argument about Premier League teams. There's so many games for the top Premier League sides. And yet the lower leagues are playing more games than they are. And somehow they're not tired. You know, like it's just, it's always only an excuse for the great team. But it's working. 
this Winter World Cup works. And what it means is FIFA could use this as an option in terms of, you know, down the line. Doesn't mean that they, they may never do it again. But you could go to places now where the summer is probably not the best idea, like Qatar. It wasn't a good idea to play this in the summer there. It would have been miserable. It's the desert. But now you can, you know, maybe approach it like some of the African teams that have the climates that are closer to desert-like climates, right? Maybe you can play it in the winter again in, who knows, 10, 12 years, 16, whatever. But it gives you more options, more countries who could possibly host. And again, I'm just saying that out loud. I don't know. Maybe it'll never happen again. But it seems to be working. And in my estimation, again, it's just it's one man's opinion, and it's all kind of just based on that. I, I'm liking it. How are you feeling about this now that it, it's here and we're in full force and we're more than halfway through? You can always hit me up on Twitter with your thoughts on the show or the things I talk about here at Talk Soccer. Pretty easy to do that. Mario, what is your thoughts on that? Winter World Cup. Initially, what did you when you when you first heard about it? You know, when they first made the decision to move it to the winter, what did you think? And then now that we're here, give me your honest assessment. Honestly, I was excited to have World Cup soccer going on during Thanksgiving and the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> I was super excited. And now that we've done it, and now that we're here and we're down to the final eight, I love it. I yeah. think it's been great. Now I don't know what's going on in Qatar, how they like it, how things are going on there locally yeah. in Qatar, but me as a viewer, I'm loving it. Yeah, it is certainly. I was almost like the one of my big beefs was I didn't know if I could wait the extra months. I so love the World Cup that I was like, oh no, it's all, it's four years as it is. You mean I got to wait till the winter too? But you know, we are going through our season in MLS at that time, right? So it's not as bad. Like I know some leagues are done, and maybe that's when the you know like fans of European leagues that are done in May at the latest they want that at Summer World Cup, and I'm sure it may never happen again. Like I said, I'm sure virtually you know virtually all World Cups are going to be in the summer, but now they have the option, right? And that's that's a good thing. They have the option now that knowing it really works. And again, this has nothing to do with Qatar. Maybe they're a terrible host over there. I'm not. You know, we haven't heard too many stories one way or the other, quite frankly, in a lot of ways, because who knows? But maybe it's just, you know, I'm not talking about that particular country, or but it, it opens up some of the world where you're like, this is probably not a good idea in July to be running around in those temperatures. And maybe it works now in November, December, this kind of window. It's not ideal for the leagues that are around, and they're going to put up a, a stink about it like they did on this. And that may be why it never happens again, because a lot of the world plays at this time of year, you know, with the the fall to spring, whatever, fall to summer. So I get that. Okay, FIFA may never choose to do this again, but they can, and it can work. And that's a, that is a good thing, and I've liked it. I'm with Mario there. I like it. I didn't know if I would. Didn't know how it was going to play out, but then you realize it's the World Cup. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, the World Cup is just bigger then your schedule, right? It doesn't, you know, at some point, you know, because we've had World Cups, we had to get up at two in the morning, like this, like this, or the South Korea one where it was weird hours, like the South Korea, Japan one, then when they host weird hours, you do it. It's the World Cup. It's once every four years. You find a way. And that's what's happened with this winter thing. And it turns out 
yeah, I'm loving it. Don't really notice much of a difference in that sense. I had to put up with you know the extra months to get here, which was frustrating. But it, even that wasn't so bad. Thank you, LAFC. <laughs> Doesn't hurt when you're winning a cup to get here, too. Nice little playoff run to get you as close as you can to the World Cup. That certainly didn't hurt. I'm going to move on now to talk about my dream final. You know, we know the final eight teams. After the great games today, Morocco is the underdog story that's left, if you will. Despite the fact, quite frankly, if you look at these matchups, there's a clear underdog in each. And not to, not to say there won't be some you know surprises along the way. Any of these teams can win the World Cup right now. Any. All eight. Based on what I've seen out of all of them. So it's not like any of these would be like massive shocks in terms of upsets, quote-unquote. But there are clear favorites in each. Starting with Friday's games, Croatia-Brazil. Well, Croatia was a semifinal. They were in the finals last World Cup. But would it still be an upset if they beat Brazil? Yes. The way this tournament has gone, as good as Croatia is, they haven't even played that great yet, if I'm being honest. I really believe that. Croatia might still have their best ahead of them, but they're going to need it because they're a clear underdog against Brazil, despite being a finalist in 2018. The way Brazil's playing. Argentina-Netherlands. Can the Netherlands beat Argentina? You bet. Of course they can. Will they? Well, Argentina's still the favorite. I think they've turned it around. They'll be fine. My point is, England-France. Yes, England England could win the World Cup, no doubt. France is the favorite. Big time. And even Portugal-Morocco. I think Morocco's defense is the best defense in the tournament. They are. But Portugal could certainly, it would be an upset if they lose. And Portugal's the favorite. Just the way their offense is rolling. And they have a darn good defense as well. So the matchups are in, but what would be my dream final? And we got to look at it like from the legitimate bracket, right? I'm not going to just do all eight. You have to break it down to where they're at in the tournament. And I'm going to ask Mario in just a minute here for his dream final. But if you've got to follow the brackets, I know what my dream final is. And I want to ask Mario first. I know, Mario, you've been following this tournament as close as anyone. Well, I got two answers for this. This is kind of crazy because we can actually get the dream final that that TV and and ratings really wants, right? We can get that, but that's funny you say that because I have two finals myself for the same yeah. reason. So, so it's interesting that we you... can get Messi versus Ronaldo. You know, Portugal Thank versus you. Argentina. But is Ronaldo going to play in that final? Is he going to start? Oh, but that's the interesting part. So what? That's the interesting yeah. part, right? That's my dream final now. We got to see it. We got to see Messi Ronaldo. I mean, we've been asking for it for what seems like decades now. Everybody comparing the two. Everybody always talking about, oh, oh who's the better? Who's the better? And, and that wouldn't be answered in one final, mind you, that question. But so what? We want to see it once and for all. Let's see this match. That's the only final that I really want. Now, a lot of people, you know, certainly people who root for these different countries, they want to see a different final. That's the one that is the top of my list. Now, for a pure footballing final, if we're looking at it for what I've seen in this tournament and where I want to go, I want you to answer both of those questions for me. Hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer. We might even talk about this later in the week with some of your answers. If it's purely like the the story right? The storyline, which one do you want it to be? I want the Argentina-Portugal. 
for purely the storylines of obviously Messi Ronaldo, right? That's the storyline story that we want. That's the storyline final. Messi Ronaldo and once and for all we get the matchup we again seemingly for decades that we wanted. In the big, I mean the biggest thing. Can you imagine one of them's going to walk away with a World Cup and the final, you know, a trophy under their belt too? I know Cristiano's won the Euro. Messi finally got Copa America. My goodness, that is the game. But from a pure footballing standpoint, hit me up on there. And that one is clear to me as well. In this tournament, I want to see Brazil and France. I want to see Kylian Mbappe have to break down that Brazilian defense. All the while, while Brazil's magical offense is taking it to France and trying to break down that defense. That would be a chess match and a half. Because I happen to think Chiche and Didier Deschamps are two of the best managers in the world at this. I really do. Now, I know people have some issues with, you know, whatever. You can nitpick any coach or whatever. I think they're two of the best managers at this with these teams they have right now. I want to see that as the footballing matchup, the best football. Mario, do you agree with that? I know you got your Argentina... Portugal. Yeah, Dave, I know it's not good radio to uh, agree on everything, but we totally agree on this whole topic here where I want to see France against Brazil. I mean, yeah, but you know, if you if yeah, if you agree, you agree, right? I mean, you know what's not good sports talk radio is when people fake it. So, so yeah. what? If we agree on this? Exactly. I agree with you. This yeah. is the these are the two matchups for the sporting end of it, for the footballing end, it's France versus Brazil. That's what I think I want to see. For the story of it, of course, you know, and quite frankly, I want that more than I even want the footballing one, because I'll be honest with you, 99 times out of 100, when I talk about sports, the individual player doesn't matter to me. It's the, it's the teams, it's the team stories, like, and I don't mean this harshly, sports moves on. LeBron James, when he retired, nobody's going to care. The NFL is going to be strong as ever. I'm sorry. Individuals don't matter as much anymore in sports usually. But these two, and where they are, and just about coming to the end of their careers, and the careers that they've had constantly being compared, playing for Real Madrid and Barcelona, going head-to-head so often that way, but we've never seen this. These two. We never saw Pele versus Maradona in the World Cup, of course. Different generations, right? And you could argue that these four have been the icons of the sport. Over however many decades, realistically. These are the two biggest athletes in the world, Dave. Possibly, potentially going face-to-face, head-on, in a final. That's the one you got to root for right yeah. now. You have to root for that game. Now that it's you know down to the quarterfinal and it could legitimately happen. Probably won't because the odds are always against two teams. You know, pick any two teams and it's going to be hard for them to get there at this point because everybody's good. So, yeah, the odds are stacked against it, just not because they can't do it, but rather just the math, the variance of it. But that's the one I want. I'll take Brazil-France as a nice little consolation because the football would be ridiculous. But I'll tell you what, if Morocco makes the final, man, I will cheer harder for Morocco than I've cheered for any team in this tournament, maybe even including the U.S., just to see why not, right? That's certainly an underdog Cinderella-type story. I'd love to see how far Morocco can go. How many times have I, Mario Reese, you know me more than anybody in the world of soccer, right? You're my closest soccer pal because we've been working at this for a long time. How often have I talked about Casablanca and Morocco, right? The city, how deep into football they are. It's one of the best cities for football in the world, one of the best countries for football in the world. And we see it. 
right? We see their fans out there. And you go, you go watch their main rivalry in Casablanca, and it's like nothing you've ever seen in your life. Just watch video of it. And it's, it's, it's amazing, the atmosphere for their derby in that city, let alone the whole country. They've been trying to host a World Cup for a while, right? Never, I hope they do. I hope they get that it. That would be awesome. Oh, I mean, incredible. That is one I try to actually get to. There's not <laughs> too many I want to leave. I'm an old man who likes to be comfortable in his home, right? That's not too many. Yeah, that one, that wouldn't be on my list to really d- dig deep to try to get tickets for and get over there. But my dream finals are like that. Now, again, if Morocco makes it, hey, fine, whoever they play. It'll be an unbelievable story. And don't get me wrong, the odds are stacked against them, just like they're stacked against England to get that far, just because all the teams are good and they're stacked against the Netherlands because those teams are you know, underdogs in their respective games. But wow. And yet any of these teams can win. That's the beauty of it. Great stuff. Big segment there. We went a little long, but we'll clean it up in the end. This is Road to the Cup. Dave Denholm here on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you. We roll on here. Final segment of this show. If you miss any of the show, we talked with Mark Rogandino earlier. I gave you my dream World Cup finals. We talked about the Winter World Cup and the games on the day, including Morocco and Spain. Morocco moves on. Portugal thrashes Switzerland in one of the biggest, biggest performances of the tournament, 6-1. Gonzalo Ramos comes in as replacement, essentially, in the starting lineup for Cristiano Ronaldo. What does he do? Ah, just a hat trick and an assist, making Fernando Santos look like a genius as the manager, because that could have backfired very easily. You know what doesn't backfire ever? Stoppage time with the great Mario Reyes. Mario, producer of this show extraordinaire, welcome to Stoppage Time once again. We got a lot of minutes this time. We got a lot of Stoppage Time minutes today, don't we? Dave, what a day today of of football at the World Cup. Oh my goodness. Uh, From Morocco to to Portugal's performance. I mean, it was great. But for me, the story is Morocco and Ashraf Hakimi. Hakimi, what a cheeky pen to just seal the deal for Morocco. That was just unbelievable. Wow. That was stone, man. You got to be. Now, here's the thing we were talking about a little bit, Mario, and I agreed with you completely. A little easier to try to pull that off when you're up 2-0 in penalties that late, too, to seal it, because certainly Morocco's goalkeeper, Bono, was on fire, and, you know, obviously Spain had kind of shrunk up by that point. They just needed to finish him off with this penalty. So you got a little leeway and a little runway, if you will, if you're Hakimi. And you know the Spanish goalkeeper, Unai Simon, has to like make a save. He's going to be jacked up, right? He can't just stand on his line waiting for a panenka. You know? So don't get me wrong. It's very stonesy to try to pull off a panenka at that point to win it. It's great, and it looked awesome. But it's a good time to really try to pull it off because Unai Simon has to make a dive. He has to go for it, right? He has to make a huge save to keep Spain in it. And Hakimi knows this. So Ashraf just stands up there. Oh, man, though, the guts to do it, Mario. Yeah, that's the only time that I would pull something off like that. I mean, Hakimi. It's a great time to try it. It's yes, a good time it is to a great try time it. to yeah. try it. Like, you don't want to try that when you're Spain and you're down, you know, like when you're Spain and you need it to stay alive. You ain't trying that. You're not trying to panenka. You're going to try to blast that thing through the back of the net. And for him to be born in Spain and then Spain yes. to want him to be on their national team. I mean, there's a quote here from uh, from tw- 2018 from the uh, Bundesliga where he says, my mother cleaned the houses and my father was a street vendor. He came from a modest family that struggled to earn a living. Today, I fight every day for them. They sacrifice themselves for me. They deprive my brothers of many things for me to succeed. 
And wow. I think he succeeded uh, today. Well, you got that right. I can only imagine what they were feeling. They must have just been, I mean, the whole country of Morocco and the, the support they've gotten, but just to imagine what Hakimi's family is going through when he buries that penalty. And really, and we've been saying it all along throughout this tournament, and no doubt about it, Morocco has been really stellar defensively. Like, again, I said it earlier in the show. I mean, Hakimi is the guy who helps get forward with this team too, but, man, their defense one own goal, a fluke, as you can imagine, own goal against Canada. Against the likes of Belgium, Croatia, and Spain, 300 minutes of football, if you include the extra time with Spain, against those three teams, and they gave up nothing. Nothing. That is how good this defensive has been. But what a story, Hakimi. Going through all that, as Mario just outlined, and, and, and doing it against Spain, Especially, I mean, these stories, you can't make this up. Like, they're just so, you wouldn't think to make them up. They're just so dramatic and just amazing, right? And, and Hakimi does that. That's really one of my favorite stories of the whole tournament was the way Morocco handled this. And again, people will look at it and go, well, they parked the bus. They didn't, you know. Dude, that's what Spain does to you. Spain does that to virtually everybody they play. Yeah, they're going to have 75% of the ball. That's Spain. Morocco knows this. They know they're not going to get a ton of chances, but you know who had more shots on goal in this match for 120 minutes? Morocco. This was not a fluke. They earned it. They outshot Spain 2-1 to one in shots on goal. Sounds like not a lot, doesn't it? It isn't a lot. But can you imagine giving a team 75-plus percent of the ball for 120 minutes and they only get one shot on goal? That's all you allowed? That is amazing. Mario, it's a great story. It makes you want to root for Morocco the rest of the way. That's how I feel anyway. You better believe they have a bunch of people rooting for them now. They are the underdog story, and they have gained a lot of fans. Because that's what the World Cup is. Look, you don't stop watching if your country's out of it. If you're a diehard, you know, like certainly if you're just somebody following the U.S. who loves sports, but you don't really follow soccer, okay, you probably... Right. Once the U.S. is knocked out, it probably hurts you. You know. But I'm talking about people who watch the World Cup anyway. You don't go away after the, your nation is out. You just look for the underdog or you look for that story you like or the player you really, really want to see in the final. You know, Messi versus Ronaldo, as we were talking. Stuff like that. But this is a great team to latch on to because they're not supposed to be there, according to all the big powerhouses. And guess what? All the big powerhouses have moved on. Yeah, they're. you know what else? Mario, as I learned in these final seconds of this show, and it's kind of very telling. Yes, the best teams get there, right? And a lot of them are European. You know who's not very good anymore? Germany. They're out. Second straight tournament in the knockout. They're just not any good anymore, right? They can't be a powerhouse now. The powerhouse teams are here. The Brazils, the Argentina, the, you know, even Spain coming into this round, people would have thought, you know. But they, you know, these teams, Netherlands. England, France, they're powerhouses. Germany's not there anymore. And if Morocco beats Portugal, they're one win away Uh, from the final. Why not? That's crazy. Why not? Right? It is crazy, but that's what I talk about with the U.S. when it comes to knockout games. Costa Rica was an eyelash away from a semifinal. Got penalty kicks. Could have went either way at that point. Costa Rica! You know, they were good, mind you. They deserved it. I'm not taking anything away. That was an amazing team. But they, it can be done. That's the beauty of the knockout, you know, these rounds. Just go get it done. 
And again, most of the time, the big powerhouses, they have too much talent and depth at the very highest level. They're going to get there, okay? But why not? Every now and again, I mean, even Croatia the last time, they went to the final. And of course, they're loaded and they have, you know, Luka Modric, one of the best players in his, of his generation. But it was still kind of an underdog type of story. They didn't win the World Cup. They got the final. And here, you know, here they are back again. That's a great story in its own right, in a way. But then even France, can they do it again? Holy cow, Kylian Mbappe. Oh, that's enough for me. Holy cow, this is great stuff. Thank you so much, Mario. Thank you for listening. Check us out each and every Monday through Friday. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Road to the Cup with Dave Denholm on ESPN LA.